Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Okay, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast and have a very special guest today. We're going to talk about marriage with Dr. Kim Kimberling with Awesome Marriage. So welcome, Dr. Kim. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah. Hey, this guy, you're going to love Dr. Kim. He's been a counselor for 37 years. Is it 37? Is that the right number? That, that sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. 51 years of marriage, two daughters, five grandchildren. Nancy has put up with you for 51 years. Amazing. Right? <laughs> yes, she has. <laughs> she certainly has and he, continues you know, to. Yeah, and, and uh, Dr. Kim's got a PhD and, and and a doctor of ministry. So you have a, is that a secular PhD or is that a ministry it, PhD? It's through um, uh, Patriot University and which is a Christian university, but it's, it's yeah, I would say it's more spirit. Yeah, Christian. Yeah, so you have a PhD and a doctor of ministry. He's written a couple of books. Seven Secrets of an Awesome Marriage and 14 Keys to Lasting Love. So uh, I'm on the 14 Keys book right now, loving that. He's got his, uh, one of the things that a lot of people see with Dr. Kim is the Awesome Marriage Podcast, which, how long have you been doing that? We, well, we have, we just did our 523rd episode. <laughs> oh my goodness. So we've well, you been were doing, doing podcasts when podcast wasn't cool a, a, a while, and it, I think that helped us really with our following, and we've continued to have a good following and grow. And so that's one of the things I love doing, uh, just with different, you know, what we do within our team on the podcast and bringing in some guests, and uh, people seem to like what we're doing. And our whole goal in the podcast is to help people be intentional about their marriage. So we talk about things, and then we try to offer next steps and things that can help them okay, I like this idea, or I, we need to change this. And so here's some first steps, at least to get him going on it. Oh, it's awesome material. He has a one thing email he'll send to you. You can go to the website, uh, awesomemarriage.com, and you can see. So, and, and what we tell people at Crazy Cool Family is, you know, we're a family ministry, a parenting ministry. We touch on marriage and marriage is super important, but we're not a marriage ministry, you know. And so what we really encourage parents to do is go find great marriage resources. And this is definitely one of them you want to check out. Um, and so today, and also there's so much, Dr. Kim, as you know, we could talk about with marriage, but what we've decided to do today is to focus on unity. Mm. And and as you, if you're, if you've been with Crazy Cool Family a while, you know that unity is one of our culture pillars. And even God says in Psalm 133, he says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Jesus, in, in when he's, the last thing he tells his disciples as he leaves, he said, God, give them unity. He loves unity. And so, um, and, and really just unity in marriage. But when you are doing your counseling, Dr. Kim, with people, and you're writing your books and doing your podcast, I feel like that first, the unity with God is, so critical in the marriage relationship. How do you counsel people about their how their relationship with God and the unity with God relates to their marriage? I, to me, I think it's everything. Um, God created marriage, and I think it's pretty clear in Scripture that our relationship with Him should be first, and then a relationship with our spouse should be next. And it goes all the way back 
to the Garden of Eden. And so I think the more we embrace God, in other words, if I if I'm loving God, seeking him with all my heart, spending time with him, he's not going to put anybody in second place but Nancy, because that's where she belongs and that's where he wants her to be. And so I think when I experience his love, it helps me to give that love and then to to know that that he is a resource for us in our marriage that we can always go to, you know, uh, we've gone to him in so many ways in our marriage over the years and together in prayer. And then God, God always shows up. And sometimes he didn't show up the way I want him to, but it's yeah. but in the, in the long run, it, it was best. What about when you see the spouses that are, we hear this a lot in our, um, from parents and things. Okay. I'm growing spiritually and my spouse isn't, you know, I'm pursuing God and almost kind of creates a judgmental type deal. You know, how do you, how do you say when a spouse is growing and there's other spouse hidden, how do they deal with that in their own faith? I think it's hard for sure, but I think it's something that I think we kind of get things mixed up a little bit. I mean, if Nancy, if I take Nancy as an example, if she's growing, in a, in a way that I'm not, that doesn't mean it's it's a right or wrong thing. And it means that you've got to, you know, what I would say to somebody in that situation is pray for your spouse and let the Holy Spirit do the work because you're not going to nag somebody into being more spiritual. You're not going to coerce them or manipulate them into that. And so I think what God wants us to do, wants me to do each day is to obedient to be obedient to him as how I live my life as a husband, father, grandfather, those roles that I play. And then when I do that, the obedience comes between me and him. And really, it's his job to take care of Nancy. It's his job to uh, to guide her and lead her. Now, if you've got a spouse that's not seeking God, that's harder. But I, I still think the best thing to do is to model what God tells you to model, to let them see there's a difference in your life because you're following Christ and that because you're living out your marriage the way you feel like God wants you to with the best of your abilities and, and continue. And I just think prayer is powerful. I, I have a lady that I uh, knew for a long time. She's passed away. Now she prayed for her husband for like 25 years. Yeah. And then he came to Christ. And so, you know, and I know that's hard. People are saying, Oh my gosh, I can't pray for this person for 25 yeah. years. But I think when it goes between you and God and you're not comparing your spouse to somebody else's and, uh, those kind of things, you know, I've had people that do that, you know, why can't you be like so-and-so he's at all the prayer meetings. He's at the, see at the pole thing at, for school, yeah. all, you know, all these kind of things. So you don't want to compare because each one's unique and God wants your husband or wife to be his child, to seek him, to lean on him many more times than you do. And so sometimes yeah. we got to just trust God in those situations. Yeah. I remember my, first decade of marriage parenting, um, I was on, I was just, we were at a new church and our pastor at the time really challenged us to memorize scripture, the men to memorize scripture. So we would, uh, we were deep in scripture and memorizing passages of scripture. And, and, but I remember over time, I started to kind of think I was more spiritually growing than my wife. And it almost led to kind of a oh, you know, uh, she was kind of lesser in her spiritual life. I, I didn't realize what I was thinking yeah. at the time, but I almost became a spiritual arrogance. And and I, it almost it led me to 
almost kind of looked, she felt like I was looking down upon her from a spiritual standpoint. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, honey, why don't you be like me a little bit more? You know, we're memorizing scripture and do it. You know, and again, it wasn't something I was, maybe it was, I don't know. I I don't remember. But but I remember changing and seeing my wife differently and seeing her spiritual journey, which was much more relational, much more, mm-hmm. in fact, in, in so many ways, better than mine. I needed to learn from her. One of the things the Lord showed me, like at the end of that first decade, I needed to learn more from her than she did from me, maybe. And yeah. and yeah. it was a big, and, and I saw her in a different light. Do you see that? You know, when you see interactions with couples like that, I mean, do you see that uh, that there's just differences in the way people walk with God? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's where we get in trouble when we start judging or comparing. Um, and that's where I think that you have to just look at, okay, maybe God's not working in that person's life exactly like he's working in mine, but, but that doesn't mean that's wrong or that doesn't mean that they're not going to grow. And I think, yeah, I think it's easy for all of us just because I think we, the cultures we live in and we're competitive and all these things. And, and so I think it's easy to place that on our relationship with God too, whom we're comparing to someone else. And what I've seen in our marriage, there's times that I've, God has really grown me and there's times that Nancy has really grown her. And so when, when I'm growing, I can't criticize her for not growing. Yeah, it doesn't ever seem to go time. together, does it? No, it, no, <laughs> maybe a few times over the years it has, but yeah. most of the time, and it's just because what God's doing in our life, or I think what God is preparing us to do next. And so, you know, he, you know, the times that he's made some changes in my life or had me in a, go in a different direction, I can look back and see, well, yeah, the so many months before that he was, I was felt closer to him. I was growing with him. I was trusting him more. I was learning things that he was eventually going to use with what he, his plan was for me. And so I think it's, it's really just trusting God with your spouse. Now, if your spouse is uh, abusive or something like that. Those are all totally different stories. But right. we're just talking about couples that that are both are trying to seek the Lord, where one of them may be seeking more than the other. Uh, but you know, that's that's a lot of just what life is. You know, we just are we're different, and uh, being critical of your spouse because they're not growing spiritually is never going to. Ha- there's no fruit in that at all. It's just I think there's. I think that's there's. Two different things that I'm, I'm hearing from you. One of them is is that spouses grow in the Lord differently, different personalities, different connections with God, different ways to connect, but also in different seasons. Yes, is that what absolutely. you see a lot? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think I love you brought the word seasons because I use that a lot because I think we sometimes aren't aware of the different seasons we go through in marriage. I mean, we know the the big ones about, you know, newlyweds and having kids, raising kids and then emptiness and those kind of things. But just the seasons that come within that and what God's doing in our lives or, you know, maybe maybe our your child is going into middle school and God continues to draw you closer to him because he wants you to to lead a small group in your church of, of middle school kids or, you know, just those kind of things. So, yeah, I think those different seasons that God is going to use us in different ways. And, and there's sometimes that I think God has grown me probably just to grow me. Right. And, you know, just to draw me closer to him, uh, make him, make me trust him more, maybe not to prepare me for something else, but really just to have to deepen my relationship with him. And, and I think our role is to just lay ourselves before God and say, you know, do what you want with me. 
Yeah. You know? One of the things we say a lot at Crazy Cool Family is, is that the best thing you can do for your marriage and for your family is to present them the healthiest version of you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think so often we, it works in family too, but we tend to focus on, oh, I need to improve my children. I need to improve my spouse. I need to, it, rather than, what if I just go deeper with God? And do you see a lot in your marriage ex where the example of a spouse turns a spouse, turns uh, the example of one spouse turns their spouse to God eventually? Yes. And, and, and I don't, you know, that I don't think God wants, I think there's a lot to be said for not being unequally yoked going into a marriage. Right. You know, there are, I think there's some warnings there that God gives us if I'm a strong Christian and that my goal is to marry this non-Christian and to bring him in. Well, that's really God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job anyway. But I think when, when you're in the marriage and you're modeling and being who God created you to be, that's attractive. I mean, it's very attractive when right. we, and, and we're not, none of us are perfect at it, but when we exhibit the attributes that Jesus showed of how he listened well and how he communicated well and how he cared for people and his kindness and um, all those kind of things. I, I think when we're doing those, it, it, it is hard for it not to affect our spouse. Well, and trust me, you know, trust me, parents that are listening and, and people that are listening to the podcast, arrogance doesn't work no. to, to try to get, you know, I used to try to, or, you know, I was talking with a guy just this week, and we were talking about how in our past, we really tried to argue people, including our spouses, into our positions on faith. And yeah. wow, it just didn't work very well. And it, and, it, and it never did. And I do it less now, but I would just really challenge, you know, um, spouses, so often you said nag, sometimes I think it becomes nag or argue versus example. And you said, listen, you said model, you said, those are the things that work and they're the hardest things to do. Right. And I mean, and it really challenges our own faith to be able to step out in faith to do that. It is. I think uh, to me, communication, uh, so much of it is listening. And if I listen, if we're, if, if I listen well to Nancy, uh, a lot of times that keeps us from having conflict because mm -hmm. I understand her, understand where she's coming from. Uh, I think it draws us closer together because we all want someone that cares enough to listen to us. It's not thinking, when are they going to get quiet so I can go do what I want to do? Yeah. Or or if you're in an argument, as soon as they quit talking, I've got this great rebuttal. And so you don't hear anything they're saying. Now, just <laughs> really learning how how to listen. And all of those things, I think, are, are things that Jesus did so well. Mm -hmm. And I think the more we can model ourselves, we're never going to be Jesus. But to model the things in him that is in relationships that we saw make a difference and how people were attracted to him, those things are attractive. And so yeah, when so, I'm doing those with the person I've committed the rest of my life with, um, I think they're attractive there too. Well, and so as you're listening to this podcast, just be thinking about how can I go deeper with God in the, in the areas of, you know, what our pastor said the other day, he said, when you look at your spouse, he, he said, when you look at anyone, but let's talk about it in terms of marriage. He said, if you look at your spouse and you don't have compassion for them, then that's a red flag that you have a bitter spirit in your heart towards them. That if you're thinking about why you need to change them or whatever needs to happen, which as we kind of go into, and, and unity with God is the, the foremost thing that you can do to become a great spouse, to attract, and that's going to change your spouse 
and influence your spouse more than anything. You know, here's the question I want to ask you as we move into the marriage piece about unity of marriage. We hear so often from, and, and we've touched on a little bit, but I really want to focus on a little bit in the unity thing is that uh, my spouse is not following God. My spouse doesn't really have an interest in spiritual things. Um, what do I do? You know, and there's a uh, there's a lot of differences, therefore, in how we are parenting. There's anger. There's all these things. I mean, how do you counsel, you know, the spouse that comes to you with that question? Well, I, th I think one thing I've seen over the years is that just because a spouse is not a believer or not really a strong follower of Christ doesn't mean they can't be a good parent. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we discount them just because they're not where, where we are spiritually. Now, I think they're missing out by not being a believer. And I think they're, they don't have, they're not seeking God and God's help in those areas. But I think respecting our spouse is so important. And, and, and so if your spouse loves your kids, which most spouses do, and they want what's best for their kids, I think you've got to listen to that spouse and you've got to work within that context. And you don't want to make them feel like you're not going to listen because they don't follow God. That's yeah, just... so let's talk about that for just a second. You just, you just use the word respect, respecting your <laughs> spouse. I mean, so so respecting a spouse that maybe is not following God at the level you think they should, what does that look like to respect that spouse? Well, I think it goes back to the vows we take to start with. You know, we didn't, the vows don't say, hey, if everything's good all the time, then we do this, this, and this. So there's going to be ups and downs. To me, respect is is uh, is to really value that person, to listen to them, to be able to have dialogue with them, not to just come in thinking I'm right and they're wrong and I'm going to listen to them. Um, I've worked with some couples where one is much stronger believed than the other. Another may not even be seeking the Lord at that time. That person had a lot of wisdom about about their children, knew their children really well and offered a lot in that. And so I, I've got uh, worked with people before who they, they do just, just discount that. And I think so respecting them is listening to them, know they have value, embracing the differences that you've got and working together to raise your children. Uh, I think anytime you get um, on opposite ends of how to raise your children, uh, that doesn't work. And it certainly sends mixed messages to your kids at best. Well, and, and you keep using that word, that, that cuss word of listen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause it is, seems like a cuss word sometimes cause it's so hard to do. So it seems like that listening to you, it really opens up things. Tell us more about that. Well, as far as listening, I think when um, we do a deal called Stop, Look, Listen, it's just a simple reminder. And basically, when you're talking something important with your spouse, you stop everything else, which means you got to put your phone out of reach. Uh, you got to turn the TV off. You've got to put down whatever your your mobile device or computer. And for Nancy and I, we it works best when we're sitting face to face so we can look in each other's eyes. And then for listening, by listening, then it's really, okay, what are they saying? What are they trying to say? Uh, when if I'm speaking, trying to just make sure I say things in a way that I know Nancy can understand after being married for so long. There's, you know, there's a lot, a lot of times early in marriage, I thought she's just got to change and hear things the way I say them, <laughs> you know? And that when, <clears throat> that was just a, a losing battle year after year. And when I finally realized, okay, why don't you say things in a way that she hears them? 
made all the difference in the world. So I think I always go in the whole respect thing of, of really valuing them. This person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Um, and how do you do minute, life you with said, that person? So you listen and that allows you to say things the way that she needs to hear them. I, I think that there's a lot of spouses that would say, oh gosh, give me the secret to that. How, how do we, so tie those together. How does listening to your spouse allow you to say things in a way that he or she's going to hear them? Well, if Nancy's telling me, say she's talking to me about uh, a problem that she's having. And and so when she's talking, I'm listening to that. And when I come back and I'm able to say, well, this is what I think is bothering you. This Help me make sure I understood what you were saying here. Uh, identifying with that problem. I'm sorry this is going on. Uh, sometimes our spouse, sometimes Nancy wants to talk to me and really she just wants to talk. She wants right. to tell me about the problem. She doesn't want me to fix anything. And uh, probably 15, 20 years ago, we came up with the idea if where she, if she wants me to help problem solve with her, she tells me. And if she just wants me to listen, she tells me oh, because wow. okay. I, I, you know, I'm a counselor. I help <laughs> marriages. I've got, I've got all these answers. And so I think I can fix anything. And that used to just shut her down. She'd be maybe halfway through the problem. And I already have figured out what she needs to do. And I'd start telling her, well, she didn't feel like I heard her. And I may be, be wrong. That may not even be where she was going with it. So learning to listen through with that and then to identify um, what does she want and need from me at this time? Uh, and sometimes it is just to listen and sometimes yeah, it's one to of the things, so understand. I, yeah. I've heard you say, listen, and then repeat back. Hey, this is the way I understand it. Acknowledge that it's a, um, it's a negative event, you know, I get it or whatever. And, and then, uh, and, you know, versus, and then maybe give some advice, but almost like, and you even say, Hey, if, if they're not willing to receive it, don't even start with the advice piece. And I contrast that with how uh, we do it a lot where, oh, about halfway in, we anticipate what they're going to say so that then we can be ready with it. Well, let's just cut the chase. You know, if you'll just do this, this and this, all of it's solved. I mean, what's the problem, right? right? It's not really that big a deal, is it? You know, and, and so and and really with that kind of tone and that is really what and we wonder why our spouse doesn't receive our, yeah. We need to do the more of the former, right? Well, and I think too, we, we also find, and I think I see this in women a lot, they just quit talking to their spouse about things that are important to them because women have a lot of options there and women do better job of talking to each other than I think a lot of times we do as men to each other on, on things. And so that's a really dangerous thing to get in when her first choice becomes her best friend to talk about our problems with oh, instead wow. of bringing yeah. them to her spouse, because then there's just that that just puts another really barrier between the husband and wife. Our wives need to know that they can come to us and that we're going to listen and they, we may not have all the answers, but we're going to listen and we're going to walk through it with them. We're going to pray with them about it, pray for them. Those kind of things that make, make a difference. And the same with the guy, a guy coming to wife. Wives are usually just a little bit better about coming to their spouse with some concerns. And we have men have to work at that. It seems like a little harder. Well, and along with this, so I don't know about you, but my wife's a little bit different than me. Yeah. Um, and I've rarely met couples that I, I met a couple the other day that both of them were Enneagram threes and they were achievers. And it was like, 
wow, don't get that, don't see that very often. And basically right. what they said was, is they're always achieving and they never connect. So that's their issue in my sure. But But most couples are, you know, if one's a three, one's a seven, or, you know, in, uh, on the Enneagram, or they're one, one's an introvert, one's an extrovert, or, you know, uh, and so, uh, and we talk a lot at Crazy School Family about, in the Unity module, about celebrating differences. Even in your book, you know, in your 14 Keys book, you talk about commonality, mm. um, and explain how commonality works, and how it works with celebrating differences because I bet you see that in your marriage counseling too that every spouse is different absolutely you know and, and I, I told people this before I said if God created you just exactly like you think you might like that but I think that would be really boring <laughs> you know I, I think our the goal is over marriage that that iron chopper is iron that we learn from each other we grow from each other you find that you have strengths that your spouse has weaknesses they have strengths where you have weaknesses and you really see the value in why god created marriage and why he gave gave you that as a way to learn how to grow in relationships and so so trying to um come together on things to accept i think when we accept our differences that we have instead of trying to change that other person most of us spend a, a, some portion of time in our marriage trying to change our spouse and, and trying to put them in some mold that we think they need and to be And we do in. it. And don't you think that we do it for their good? Well, in our mind is. It's like, yes, you, might, exactly. you know. Aren't <clears throat> we doing it with good intentions? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I thought, well, Nancy should be like my mom. My mom's a great mom. Nancy would agree she was a great mom. She did a lot of things well. Well, but Nancy wasn't my mom. And I had to realize that me trying to put her in this mold of my mom was not going to work because one, she didn't fit there. And two, I needed to let her be different and accept those differences and to value those differences. And I think when we do that, it's easier to walk hand in hand with each other. That but means you weren't doing it to Nancy to hurt her. You were doing it to no. help her. Right. right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And then you've just got to realize that yeah, I, it's God's job to change them. And it's me to love her, to care for her, to be there for her. But uh, I think the more you can, Pray for your spouse, for them to be who God created them to be. And when they're seeking to be who God created them to be, um, there's a lot of growth that comes in that on both sides in a marriage situation. Do you find I, 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 do you find that with most couples that you deal with and, and you, know, you see a lot of different people, you're dealing with thousands and thousands of marriages, uh, that most people are trying to do good with their spouse. They just don't know how. I think that's true. I think nobody got married. I mean, you don't get married to fight with somebody for 50 years. You know, that's just, or if you did, you know, I was, I was talking to uh, Matt Hammett yesterday. Matt was the lead singer of Sanctus Real, and he walked away from the stage to be, because he felt like he wrote the song Lead Me, and he realized that he wasn't doing that job at home. But one of the things that Matt said that I thought was really interesting, he said, what really God used to trigger him he looked at his wife and there was a picture in his office of his wife as a bride. And he said, what I saw in that bride and what I saw in my wife were not the same thing. And I wanted her to have the same hopes and dreams and passion for me in marriage oh, that wow. she had on our wedding day. And so he said that was a trigger to him to I'm, I've got to do something different. I've got to be the kind of husband God wants me to be. I want to see that same excitement in her today that I saw 22 years ago when we got married. And I thought it was a great picture of, and that led to him writing the song Lead Me, which is a, a song that's impacted me. And I think a lot of men, because that's what our wives want from us. 
Yeah. So, and what would you say, I mean, when you're looking at marriage situations and all the things you see is that in, in terms of celebrating those differences and building unity, what are the main things that spouses are doing that need to change in order for them to build the unity in their marriage? You know, I think you could, you could, uh, sometimes I'll do this. I'll just make a list of those things that, that I think I wish I, I could change in this and I, I wish I'd change these things. And then I go back and begin to pray over those. And there's just something about realizing, okay, what if I accepted, embrace that difference instead of trying to change her? And what, what is value is in, in that difference? You know, Nancy um, is, is very, she has, she like ask a lot of questions. Um, and that used to frustrate me a lot because I thought she was just arguing with me. And when I finally realized that her questions was her way of trying to understand and understand me so she could walk beside me, it made out all the difference in the world. So I think it's what I'm saying is looking past what may be bugging you in your spouse right now. And, and mm -hmm. what is the deeper meaning there? Don't assume where their heart is. Don't assume what their motivation is and, and begin. And so those differences, I think is where God wants us to grow. He wants us to learn something through those differences. And well, I like those questions. You felt they were argumentative. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yet she had a different motive. I want to, the reason I, I think this is a great point to dig into just a little bit is, is that, she what was what was her motivation for the questions it was to understand and to be able to help better absolutely she wanted to be on my team but she needed to ask some questions to be able to do that and yet when you heard the questions you heard them as a threat <clears throat> because you felt like she was trying to well what was she trying to do? change you was she trying to I, yeah just that she was trying to, to maybe take the air out of my wind out of my sails or you know she's really not with me on this and and what as she was as I was learned to answer the questions and answer them honestly truthfully with her I saw that well yeah that's all she wanted to do was understand it more now she's 100% on my team she always wants to be on my team but sometimes she processes different and she's got to understand things in a way different than I do so that she can do that yeah and even then if you think about it from her perspective one of the things that she, not that you're trying to change her, but if she just totally looking at it from her perspective, she might say, you know what, if I will come to Kim, she probably doesn't call you Dr. Kim, but she, no. she, <laughs> she can come to Kim she can say, hey, you know what, that's a great idea, honey. Do you mind if I dig in with some questions and then you can feel like she's on your team. So even Absolutely. both sides, can, you know, it depends on, now, now again, you would, you would that's not something you would necessarily tell her but if god reveals that to her she could say uh, hey well maybe this is a way that i could reach him better my questions tend to offend okay what am i going to do to ask my questions differently or start with an encouragement or something like that exactly and it's just taking the time to do that so much of what we talk about and also marriage is taking the time to be intentional about your marriage and yeah, it does take some time and it takes some effort. But if you're really going to have the marriage God wants you to have, you've got to invest in it and you've got to be willing to do those things. And then so instead of binging another episode on Netflix, sit down and talk to your spouse. And there's nothing wrong with Netflix. But if it's taking the place of the time you could be with your spouse or work things out or draw you closer together, then I think that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. And I just keep hearing, you know, and what you're saying about building unity in marriage is that so often it just says one appreciate the differences um 
don't always think they're out to get you because I think you'll find, I think what you find in your counseling a lot is, is that usually two people who are married, they want the best for each other. They just don't necessarily know how to get there. And so a lot of times your spouse does have good intentions for you. I mean, I think there are situations where, you know, somebody's being manipulative or somebody is being rude or, you know, or there's anger or bitterness happening. But, um, but more often than not, wouldn't you say that a lot of times in, in uh, marriages that the spouses are trying to do what's best for each other? They just don't know how to do it. Absolutely. And and I think if you don't really dig deeper and you try to figure some things out, then it, then you do kind of start pulling away from each other. Um, and so I think that's, that's another good reason for trying to understand these things. Because when you do and you get on the page, same page with something, it grows your marriage. It strengthens your marriage. It, and it gives you confidence. Well, we, we work through that. Now I bet we can work through whatever comes our way. Well, and then going back to, so, you know, I think that uh, you would agree that when, you know, we want to help our spouse a lot and we end up hurting them. Yeah. It, with, with unknowing, I mean, unintentionally, we really are trying right. to help. And so when that happens, we get frustrated and sometimes we want to give up. Instead, what if we take that to the Lord and our unity with God and say, God, I don't understand this. And I, I believe then the Lord says, well, what if you try this? And then oftentimes it's the opposite of what we've been doing because we're doing it out of our own nature rather than God. And then, you know, God, God's going to tell you things like, listen, he's going to tell you things like, you know, work on you and things like that. And then it's how that relationship with God, that unity with God relates to unity with marriage. Right. Absolutely. And I think of a, a really, it made me think of a really good prayer and that's ask God to help you see things through your spouse's eyes. Oh, uh, wow. yeah. That's and, awesome. And, and it just makes a difference when I take time to do that. It has to do with empathy and, and just really, okay, put yourself in their shoes for a little bit. And, and what, what is going on in their life and what are they trying to communicate, those kind of things. And it, again, being intentional about that can make a huge difference. Hey, this is Jeff Zog from the Dad Awesome Podcast. I love the crazy cool family. And specifically, I hopped into Basecamp, all of these resources, the video resources, the specific guides that let me put the names of my daughters and my wife and just showing me visually, hey, am I making progress? What areas can I attend more to? So I'm so thankful. I want to encourage you guys to hop into Basecamp, sign up, dive into those first intro videos. It's been so helpful for my family. You talk in your in your 14 Keys book for sure about um, being friends with your spouse, and so and I think this kind of relates as well because you know um, if we're friends, we get to know our spouse better as well as it's just more fun, and and yet we've got these parents that are a lot of the parents that are listening to this podcast are what I would call they're either in the wiping season where, you know, little kids wiping everything, counters and bottoms and everything, or, and, or they're maybe in the sports season, you know, where their kids are in activities all over the place, you know, and, yep. and going and going. So, and, um, I remember that. I remember just, you know, the, the blur of basketball season, you know, when I had four kids playing basketball and I was coaching their teams and all that stuff. And so, um, what do you, what advice do you give parents on how to be friends in the busyness of life so they can connect with one another, get to know each other better? You got to continue to set aside time for each other. And, and, 
and you've just got to make that intentional. And I, I think sometimes parents say, well, this is our season of raising kids, but you can't put your marriage on the back burner during that. Or, you know, you'll be one of those couples when the kids finally leave and you look at each other and say, I knew you 18 years ago, but I don't really know you now. And so, so you've got to continue to have your date nights. You've got to continue to, to set aside 15 minutes every day just to communicate with each other. And that's hard at times, especially when you're in the wife stage because you're exhausted. But I, if you just take that, you know, we, during those years, we would usually do it after the kids were in bed. Uh, and it may keep me out, might keep us up a little bit longer, but there was value in that. And it was energizing when we would think we were too tired to even talk and we'd just start talking for 15 minutes. Uh, it energized us and it, it helped us focus more on the importance of marriage. So I think it's being intentional with the things pursuing guys. We, we have such a tendency to quit pursuing our wives. And, and I tell people all the time, you got to pursue them their whole life because that's the way God wired them. They want to be so pursued. How would you say that we do that? I mean, like, let's talk about husbands for just a minute. And so husbands, how do you, what does it look like to, uh, to pursue your wife? I think it's doing the things you did to get her because obviously that worked. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a tendency sometimes to, uh, to, you know, once we, we get a, a ring on her finger, then we go off and conquer something else. And so it's continuing to do those things. It's, and it's also being a student of your spouse. We talk about that a lot. Okay. What does make her feel loved? What does make her feel cared for? And you can ask her that, you know, what, what, what am I doing that really make, draws you closer to me? What are the things I'm doing that pull you away from me? Just getting information from your spouse. Um, and then I think the whole deal for guys is romance. Most of us don't feel like we do real good at that, but you know, you may not be Romeo, but you married a Juliet. And so you got to figure out something in there. And so it's again, what, what makes her feel loved and cared for? And that's how you pursue her. And it's, you know, for, for us, it would be when the kids were little, it was when I would get home that I would just take the kids for a while. And just give her a break for a while. That meant so much to her. And it gave me time with the kids. And that just became our pattern for a long time when the kids were little. And so I think, you know, how can I come alongside my wife? What can I help her with? Uh, you know, if I just came in and put my feet on the couch, on the coffee table on the couch and turned on something I wanted to watch and chaos was going all around me, well, that's not going to draw her closer to me. It's going to make her think, who so the heck is So what I've guy? heard from you there, just a couple of points there is one, Pursuing your wife, husbands pursuing your wife looks like getting to know her, becoming a student, you know, just listening to her. And another way would be serving her by, you know, taking the kids for a little bit or, you know, giving her some some time. And, you know, the, but then the husband says, too, so, man, I work hard, you know, so uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm tired when I come home and. Um, things like that. So what can, or, and, and again, sometimes both spouses are working, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm, right, not, right. I'm not stereotyping there at all. I mean, we've all got different issues, but, but, you know, so what does this, what does a wife do to pursue her husband? Well, I think a couple of things. First, God gave us the role of leader, whether we like it or not. And so I think we're supposed to set the example. And then I think after that, it comes to communication, you know, when a couple sits down, we have a deal we call an awesome marriage called the weekly checkup. And you just kind of go through some checkpoints on your marriage and what your week's going to look like. And uh, just some 
ways to touch base. And in that is to learn more about each other. You know, okay, this is your schedule this week. How can I help you? How can I serve you in that? And so when you've got that level of communication, you've got kind of your roadmap of this week. This is what I need to do to be the husband that she needs or to be the wife that he needs. And again, if you're, when you're best friends and you're connecting on like that, a lot of those things that we make really complicated fall into place. What do you mean by that? Uh, okay, so so Nancy and I sit down on, on, say, a Sunday afternoon, and we talk about, say, when the kids are home, we talk about what their schedules are, what their games are, like you were saying, those are chaotic mm-hmm. years when those are kind of doing. What is her work, Nancy's in real estate, and then my counseling, you know, what do we have there? What else is on the calendar this week? Okay, then where do we put time in for ourselves, and how do we hold that sacred? Where do we put our date night? Where do... um Okay, you've got, it looks like on Tuesday that you are running all over town with these kids. I need to, why don't, would it help if I was left the office and then picked up our son for you? Would that make, would that help? And oh, yeah. Or she could say, yeah, you know, on this hard day, it's, is there any way you could pick him up? And, and so you're communicating on that and you're working together and you're helping each other. Mm-hmm. And, and then that, that's the whole deal of being a team. You're working together on this. It's not me doing life my way and Nancy doing life her way. It's how do we do our lives together that gives us the marriage and the family that, that we want and that God wants for us. And so I would say that um, especially, you know, as kid, in the busyness of the life, that um, and, and I love that because I do think that, you know, the, the weekly checkup helps you to check in and make sure we're taking care of each other's needs. Um, and but sometimes as we do that, I find couples and I know Suzanne and I went through seasons of this where that's all we talk about is the administration, you know. Um, uh, and so how do you how do you suggest your couples to build friendship? as they're going through these, I mean, we got to do the logistic things. We right. got, we got right. four kids and they're all in sports or two kids or five kids or whatever. And we got, we, we've got, you know, church stuff and, and work stuff. And, uh, you know, all this stuff is happening. And in the midst of it all, we need to build a friendship with our, with our spouse. I, a couple of things that come to my mind on is uh, first, I think, I think praying together is something we haven't talked about that I think probably, it's made the biggest difference in our marriage of anything um, of praying together. And there's different ways couples can do that. You know, some people say, Oh my gosh, I can't pray out loud with my spouse. Okay. That's fine. Uh, talk about things that are important to both of you and pray silently about it together. Be praying for the same thing. Oh, wow. as God says when two or more of us come together. And so I, I think that prayer is, is a way that connects us. It's also a way that, that God can speak to us. Um, and, and kind of guide us. And the second, I, th- I think your date nights have to be for fun. You've got to have some times yeah. they're just for fun. What, you know, I'll look at couples and I'll say, what are y'all doing for fun? And I, I get this, like there's deer in the headlight stare, you know? Right. And then I say, well, what'd you do for when we got married? Oh my gosh, they can talk for an hour about those things. And so I think you've got to set aside those times for fun. That's really where Nancy and I probably, when we were in college, built our friendship. We had so much fun together and we, you know, we, of course we didn't have kids. We didn't have a lot of those other distractions that you get when you're married. But I know that the value of that time together, enjoying each other, having fun together, not really talking about, you know, the problems of the day, but maybe we talk about our future and, and maybe we talk about, 
just enjoying each other and those kind of things. And so you've got to build those in. And so I, I've told couples, sometimes I'll have them uh, each write out five things that they want to do uh, together and put it in a slips of paper and then put it in a jar or something. And each week they draw one out and they just try it. And if they like do it and they don't both like it, then don't do it again. But it's a way to get some things jump started. Nancy and I, one year, uh, we decided this was years ago, we're going to go to the phone book and we're going to pick a restaurant from each letter of the alphabet and just go straight through. Uh, we didn't get it all the way through the alphabet, but it gave us something kind of fun and intentional. And we tried some different places that we hadn't tried before. And so, and that was back when we had phone books, you know, <laughs> kind of dates it a little bit there anyway. Yeah. People are going, what in the heck is that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe you listen you... to a cassette tape while you were driving to the restaurant. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. And you, um, so I think just looking for ways, you've got to have fun together. That's what, to me, um, those, that's one of the really big things that bonds you together, those kind of experiences. And so, yeah, you've got to have those times when you're not talking about the kids or or problems or anything else that you just say, wow, I'm so glad I married you and that we'll have this time together and let's do this or, you know, go to dinner or, you know, Nancy and I grew our relationship a lot in college because we ate almost every meal together for two years. And yeah. so uh, it's looking for those opportunities and they're there. I think sometimes we forget that they're there. You know, I've had some couples that like on Saturday morning, they would go separate ways to get all the errands run. And I said, okay, why don't you guys go together to run the errands? Right. Made all the difference world. And I said, use that as a date. You've got time in the car. you got time while you're in this store or that store and you can grow. So looking for those opportunities to connect are really important to you. We call them touch points and they're there every day for us to grab onto, we've just got to, we've just got to recognize them. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I haven't thought about that, but you know, cause we tell parents a lot when you're going on an errand or something, take a kid with you. I remember I did that a lot because, you know, yep. that was a way I connect with the kids. I haven't really thought, thought about it in terms of, um, uh, you know, doing it with your spouse, you know, and, yeah. and a lot of times with parents, they, it's, it's hard because there's young kids and babysitters involved right. and things like that. But, but, you know, um, involving your spouse. And it, I think I love the idea of just touch points. When can you, it, it's such a matter of um, purposing to, to do things, you know, purposing to listen, purposing to have touch points, purposing to like, what, what is your counsel about going to bed together? What would you tell parents, couples? Because so many couples talk about, well, I'm a night owl. She likes to go to bed yeah. at 8.30. Yeah. I get up at 4. She gets up, you know, whatever. How do you counsel couples with that? Well, first, I think that if there's any way at all, you got to figure out how to go to bed together. And maybe you were a night owl before you got married, but could that change a little bit? Could it, could, you know, can you change it just a little bit? And I think for couples, sometimes I get couples just because their work shifts, one does stay up later than the other. What I ask them to do is go to bed together, have, have a devotional prayer time together, spend time together. If that means making love or whatever, and if the other person needs to get up and do some work or do something fine, but, but don't miss that opportunity of, of spending that time together uh, at bedtime. I just think there's something special about that. Uh, I agree. And I think that's a great point. I haven't thought about that one, you know, of, of if, if that person still needs to do something at night or whatever, that's still having that time. And it doesn't have to be, you know, um, two hours. I mean, it oh, can no. be literally 15 minutes. Sometimes. Absolutely. And, and just giving yourself the allowance of, um, yeah, tonight, 
it didn't happen, but tomorrow night it will. Because I think what happens is, is that it doesn't happen for a few nights. And then what, and that happens with prayer too. I mean, that's one of the things that Suzanne and I have struggled in our marriage with is to pray consistently together. Sure. Uh, we talk a lot, but, but sometimes we talk more. And, and wouldn't you say, but, but well, back to what I was saying is, is that, you know, the, the whole thing about um, going to bed together, you get out of a routine and all of a sudden now you never go to bed together. Because yeah. it's too, and, and it feels like what you're saying is we got to just keep fighting for those good things to happen. Yeah, I think sometimes we decide something's normal that doesn't need to be normal or shouldn't be normal. And going to bed, there's just a lot of value in going to bed together at yeah. the end of the day and just, just having that time, just the two of you. Well, and as we, as we kind of land this plane, we've talked about unity with God being so critical, unity in marriage and some ways to do that. And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of marriages out there that are a little bit disconnected right now. And so, sure. you know, if you're listening to that and your marriage is disconnected, you know, what are you going to do to connect it? You know, what are you going to do to, you can be a better listener, you can go to the Lord. And then, but it also affects, you know, the unity also affects parenting and so you know the way we pay you i'm sure you see a lot of uh people of marriages coming to you going man we just have two different views of and we are different people and we parent differently how do you counsel people to have to to bring unity into their parenting one thing i'd like to do with couples is to sit down with them and what are their goals for their kids most of the times they have the same goals on us really they, they just get there differently and so, so you would once, say most of the time, I want to, I want to stop down that just a minute. Most of the time couples have, and what would be some of those similar goals that you would see? Well, they want their children to follow Christ, right? They want their children to, um, they want, you want, you want your kids to be, uh, respectful of other people. You want your kids to have really strong values. You want your kids to have hard working. Yeah, empathy for other people, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So once you get those goals, then I think it's easier to come back and say, okay, we're disagreeing on this. Does that meet our goals? And I think you get your enough goals up there. Everything is going to kind of come back to that. Everything you do day to day is is a, a road to help achieve those goals by the time they leave house at 18 years old. And so I think to me that helps a lot. And then we can work out the particulars of you know, well, it should have a curfew at 10. No, I think it should be 1130. Well, okay. You know, is that a big deal? Is that something, you know, we can talk about that. You know, does that meet a goal? Is this something we need to, um, we want to teach them responsibility. So we're going to give them a, a curfew so they'll learn to come in at the right time. And so then does it really matter if it's 10 or 11? Well, in our town that they, your kids aren't supposed to be out on the streets after 10 30 okay then we need to make that 10 30 and we're showing them there that they have to follow the laws of the land i mean there's things that you can do to kind of come back to that to guide you in that um and just knowing that and valuing each other i think we most of us didn't grow up in the same home so we have different families of origin <laughs> different things of doing it now i've had some couples that said we i don't want to do anything my parents did they were terrible and so that, right. that helps the other parent quite a bit uh but i but i think just just knowing those differences but you've got to decide what's right for the two of you and the family you're raising and what are the goals that you want what do you want to achieve with your kids and how do you 
agree to disagree sometimes. And and I think knowing it's willing to compromise. It's sometimes like, you know, I'm not sure that we need to do that right now, but let's go. I'm going to go with you on this and, let, and let's evaluate yeah. again in a couple of weeks. And because- I, I love the idea of so literally of writing down what your goals are. And, you know, the goals may be different for a seven-year-old than it is for a 15-year-old. You know, at a seven-year-old, it might be, I just want the kid to put the clothes in the trash hamper. That's right. it. All I care about is the clothes don't go in the trash hamper. Okay. So, you know, and I think a lot of times it's, well, you let them run over you or you're too strict. And, you know, and, but I, I love the idea of, of writing down those goals because then you can see how we, you do have a lot of the same goals, but different methods, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, what you said about where you put your dirty clothes, well, that's responsible, falls under responsibility. And so what, what we really want here is to them to learn to be responsible there. Okay. Then how's the best way to get them do that? Is there, does there need to be a consequence that we put in if they don't do it? And, you know, then you begin to begin to flesh out how you're going to handle that together. But I think once you get in your mind, well, what we're really doing here is teaching responsibility, not because I'm so frustrated that I have to pick up the clothes all the time, you know? And, and so yeah. then you're able to work together I think in a much healthier way. And I do think it's important that kids see us working together. And I, and I think once we have those those main goals set up, then I think it's easier for us to be on the same page with things. And I think that's, you know, you've talked about, uh, we talk about a crazy school family with deciding what your values are as a family. And I think yeah. one of the things, and what's a value? A value is simply something that's important to you and something you want, like responsibility in your kids, you know, um, uh, the values are that can be a lot of different things. You know, your kids love Jesus with all their heart. That's a value you want in your family. Right. You know, you're, uh, and so, uh, so often when uh, Suzanne and I were growing in our marriage and in our parenting, we would talk about those things. You know, I remember, um, in fact, so much of it's coming out in our, in our ministry. Now, someone told us one time, your kids can be best friends for life. And we looked at each other and went, that's the craziest thing we've ever heard, you know, because our kids fight. We fought with our siblings and and yeah. and we, we see siblings fight all the time, but we prayed about it. And we said, you know what? We think the Lord is putting that into our lives and we have a lot of kids. So we need to. Uh, and we started to work on that. Today, we have a fruit of that because it was a value we put in yeah, uh, years ago. And, and that's one of the things that brings unity. When I love it. You're talking about. Uh, talking about your goals, which we're calling values, which are the same thing. And when we decide on those things now, it gives the, you know, then we can allow differences in the way we're getting towards those values. You know, um, my wife's much more relational. I'm much more, and, and it's become a blended deal, but, you know, she was much more relational in how she did it. I was much more, hey, get it done, dude. Let's go get it, you know, just yeah, make it yeah. happen. And, and, uh, but both of those, and another thing we found is that when we allowed each other to parent in our own way, the collective response of that actually became better for our kids. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But, and, and that's, but we don't think that, no, we've got to parent the same way. Yeah. It's not the same way, but it really is the same objectives, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because God put two different people in there and he didn't mean, you know, Suzanne says that when she quit trying to turn me into a hairy woman, then that made <laughs> then that in our marriage and our parenting got a lot better. And so uh, 
Uh, I just think that's a great example. Of that's a great did. example. I love that. <laughs> um, so, you know, as we land here, um, what would you, you know, uh, so last question is, um, and, and kind of when we, we have a, 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 we get a lot of questions. My spouse is totally checked out. Yeah. You know, my spouse, and it's usually, unfortunately for us men, it's usually women that are asking that question. Yep. My spouse is totally checked out from family. Um, what do I do? How do I raise a crazy cool family? And just, you know, if, and, and whoever that spouse is, I'm so sorry that you're going through that. You know, it, it's not any fun to have a spouse that's checked out doing their own thing, angry, withdrawn, whatever it is. Absolutely. How do you help that spouse deal with their marriage and their family? I think it's, uh, it goes back to some of the things we talked about. It's prayer. It's trusting God. It's um, doing what you need to do. And hoping or you know praying that your spouse come along. Now I think you you talk to your spouse. I mean, and and I think at that some of those situations going to a Christian counselor is probably a really good idea, mm -hmm. and uh, and see what can happen there. Yeah, and um, and really it comes down to that um, goes back to the top of your unity with God is the only answer that you really have, right? It is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's it all starts there, and then it goes down from there. Absolutely. Well, so much, you know, kind of going back to the beginning of you've said a lot about pursuing God, listening, um, uh, you know, empathizing. Um, man, those are and how to be friends. So many things we've covered. Um, they obviously some of the parents here is going to want to know more about awesome marriage and awesome about what. Sure. So tell them again, we, we mentioned it the first, but let's end it with how to connect with you guys and what would be the best ways to resource you guys. Well, awesomemarriage.com has a, pretty much of a link to everything that we do. Uh, and then we're on all social media, either under awesome marriage or under Dr. Kim or Kim Kimberling. We're on everything from TikTok to Facebook to YouTube, we did a lot of videos on YouTube to help all different areas of marriage. Uh, you mentioned early on the one thing email that we do comes out Monday through Friday that uh, one thing you can do for your marriage each day, and that's to be intentional about your marriage. And then we also have a weekly marriage checkup that comes out once a week. And it's, so if you don't want to do something every day, it gives you a way to do something once a week to help your marriage. Um, our Awesome Age podcast, uh, we've been very blessed with it. We're in over 500 episodes now. Um, and the other thing is when you go on our website and things, if you have a question or you have a problem you want us to pray about, we answer every email. We pray for every everybody that could, um, contact us about praying. Uh, a lot of what we do with uh, is follow-up. We have, a, we have a, um, uh, a resource that we send out free to people. It says 10 things to do before you get a divorce. And so people that, uh, that request that we follow up with them a week or two later, how are things going? Is there something else? And sometimes they say, you know, we're doing pretty good, but we're still struggling with communication. And so we'll say, well, look at our communication course that we have, see if, and take that, see about taking that, see if that will help you. So we really try to not just throw things out there, but to really walk with people and help them get to the point that, that they need to be in their marriage or they want to be in their marriage. Well, and I'll wrap it up with just a plug for you guys that it, it is awesome material, you know, just 
biblically based, relationship based. Um, also, just you know, when you go to their website, you know, he won't tell you this, but I will. They they run a lot of their because their ministry off donations. So <laughs> this is something that's benefiting you. You know, I love for you know, and and it works for Crazy Cool Family too. Is that you know to go in and donate ten bucks a month. Or to donate, you know, and, and if you're benefiting from it, because what happens is these these ministries are out there. We are both out there. He's working on marriage. We're working on family, and we are doing. We, we he gives a lot of his stuff away, and I just love that. And and I'd love for the Christian community to support him in what he's doing to go reach literally thousands and thousands and thousands of marriages out there. So. Yeah, just go to the donate button and you can do that. It's, he's got two books out there. That's another way. You know, the books are good. The the, the seven um, the seven keys, the, the seven secrets, and the fourteen keys. So uh, just look up Dr. Kim Kimberling on Amazon. You can get the books there. Do they get those off your website too? They can get them off the website. They can get them at most local bookstores if they don't have them. I was in one of the Barnes and Nobles here the other day. They had 14 keys, but they were out of seven secrets. But you can ask them to get it. But ordering online is certainly an easy way to do that. And we have a have a new book that'll be coming out probably maybe by the first of the year. It's called Love, Sex, and Love, Intimacy, and Sex in the Second Half of Marriage. And we kind of define second half of marriage just about when you get to the empty nest because you're kind of through that parenting thing, and then then. How do how do you grow your marriage in, in those areas? How do you really enjoy each other? So I'm excited about that one. I think there's a lot of people that are in that category. A lot of people that you guys uh, listen to are still raising kids, and I get right. that. But but I think that's going to be something that there's so many people in that category now that are trying to figure out how to love each other better. How what does real intimacy outside of sex look like? And then how do we develop our sexual relationship in a way that is fulfilling? And where we are at this stage of marriage. So that yeah, you know, and actually we, we're even seeing now as we move forward, we're getting a lot of grandparents listening to our podcast because they're wanting to help their so many parents sure. are saying, Hey, I wish we would have had this much crazy cool family material when we were growing up. We want to give Absolutely. it to our kids and we want to help them raise our grandkids better. And so yeah, that'll be a, if you're if you're a grand if you're an empty nester listening to the podcast, then man, that'll be a great book. And again, awesomemarriage.com great resources Suzanne um, just loves it you know and she's always telling me things that she's learning from Dr. Kim and um, yeah I just uh, and I'm loving the book as well so uh, be sure and go and check out awesomemarriage.com Dr. Kim thank you for being with us um, thank you Don I love what you guys are doing I'm excited about Crazy Cool Family and, and working together in the future and uh, thanks for having me on I appreciate it yeah, absolutely. As always, parents, go be crazy. CrazyCoolFamily.com.